it's anxious because the business has worked really well up until now and, and we're looking at like turning it on its head. Welcome back to Tiny Seed Tales, a series where I follow a founder through their struggles, victories, and failures as they build their startup. I'm your host, Rob Walling. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Tiny Seed, the first startup accelerator designed for bootstrappers. This is the sixth episode of our series with Craig Hewitt of Castos. Craig is anxious today because he's made a decision that, in his words, will turn the business on its head. We have, for what, two and a half years almost, we've been requiring a credit card to start a trial and open an account with Castos. About two months ago, we broke uh, that up from a single big, huge form on a single page to being in two pages. So the first page was enter your name, email address, and, and choose a password. And that basically created an account. And then the next page required you to put in your credit card information, a lot like Drip does right now. If you join it for Drip or a lot of these kind of popular services that require a credit card, it's in two stages. And what we saw after about the first two weeks was there's a huge drop-off in that, right? But we never saw that before because people just failed to sign up at all. And so now that we've had this data for a couple of months, we see that, you know, 60 to 70% of people are falling off after they do email, name, email address and password and get into the billing page, they fall off right away. And so we're, we're working on a no credit card trial signup process to where people just do basically that first page. We're just, we're, we're just keeping that first page and people are going to have full access to the whole app with without putting in any billing information and so the the thing with this is it just it changes the whole flow of everything we're doing um and yeah it's it's anxious because the business has worked really well up until now and and we're looking at like turning it on its head and the impetus for doing this is that you want to widen the funnel right you want to double the number of trials in essence do you feel like you've put in the work that once those you know, the, the two X, essentially, you're going to double the amount of trials come in. Have you put in work on onboarding, changed anything inside to try to convert more of them? Yeah. So that's been all of the work. Basically gave ourselves a month. The developers are finishing up a few things. So it's really been about three weeks that we've been working on this. And it's really amazing because, man, it's it's across the board. It's email copy, onboarding workflows, uh, in-app experience, uh, some logic with Stripe, all all of that stuff has had to change. Like it, it's it's been a fair amount of work. Um, but the cool thing is we've we've done a fair amount of work. That I mean, this is an experiment, and this is an experiment that I I think will work. Because I mean, a ton of other companies <laughs> do it this way. Um, don't require a credit card upfront. I think it will work. But even if we have to revert, even for some time, like we've done a lot of work in the app to make the onboarding experience better to where even if we have to go back to requiring a credit card up front just to to filter out the tire kickers up front, I think like our trial conversion ratio will improve because of the work we've done. Yeah, I don't think people realize if you've never done this, whether it's going from credit card to not or going from paid to a trial to a freemium trial or paid to usage-based it touches everything, as you've said. Yeah. Every time, it's like all your communication, every onboarding email that goes out, every your billing screen says it expires in this many days and you can't do that now, but you have to do it with people that are still going to be on the trial, so you need conditional logic. I mean, this stuff runs deep. And so the fact that you guys were able to get it done in a month, um, frankly, is is 
not bad at all. Uh, that's about what I would have thrown at it. You know, if you asked off the top of my head, this is not a one week change. It never is like, unless you've already built a framework to, to do that. The interesting thing too, is since it is, uh, you know, such a, an encompassing change and ubiquitous is probably the better term. It has the potential to, to change a lot of numbers, right? I oh mean, it, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it has the potential to change things for the better or, or for worse. And is that, you know, you talked about being anxious about it. Is that really the kind of the source of that anxiety is just not knowing what kind of impact it's going to have on the business? Yeah. I mean, so it really, it's coming in a way at a really good time because we've had a really good last couple of months, you know, on a leading side, number of new trials is up like 30% over the previous couple of months, um, two months in a row. So it's sustained paid acquisition is working and those trials are converting pretty well. So like nothing is broken, but then, you know, we want to say, okay, let's take the momentum we have and amplify it, which is really what this is trying to do is to say, all these people that are abandoning the signup process because they don't want to put credit card in before they try the app, can we capture, you know, some some percentage of those people that that we're not even that that are not even seeing what we have right now? And yeah, I mean, it's scary to spend a month working on something that could break the business. <laughs> not you know, like we, I'm sure we spent a month working on stuff that that we end up throwing away at the end or refactoring a year later or something like that. But but that probably doesn't have a negative impact on revenue or growth. Um, and this might. I'm trying to be cool with just focusing on one metric, at least for, say, the first like two weeks. And that's number of new trials. So like we had 140 trials last month. I want to say, can we have 200 trials in the next two weeks? And if we do, then I'll consider it like a success or 500 trials or whatever, like several times more than we're having now. And then we'll start looking at like conversions down the road. Cause I can't assume we're going to nail everything on day one. Yeah. And the hardest thing that I found when making big changes like this is you have a picture in your mind of what all your numbers look like. You visitor to trial, trial to paid, how, you know, your churn for 60 days and then your churn after that and, and how all this works, click through rates on your ads, all that stuff. And this just, comes in and just wrecks that. And that was always the anxiety. I mean, that's the anxiety I'd be feeling in your shoes. Is, is that what you're feeling? Is, is that you're just going to be, for the next few weeks, your metrics are going to be all over the place. Yeah, no, totally. And that's why, I mean, we're setting this live on the first of the month, well, the second, because the first is a Sunday, but we're going to set this on, you know, the beginning of a month so we can try to have a, an honest months of data, even though whatever, we have two week lag and all this kind of stuff. But for like new trials, the month of September, uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to be in this new realm. So, but yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. Cause I mean, like I said, we're, we're growing and, and everything is, is good, but I think this will be better, but it is a, a pretty fair risk of like, it could be worse and what, what will happen uh, if it is, I don't think it will be. And I think we need to find a way to figure out how to make this work, but um, yeah, it's an anxious time. How How long will you give it? Like if let's say you get two months down the line and, and your, your growth has, you know, stagnated. I mean, this is worst case, but your if your growth stagnates and you're two months down the line, do you roll it back or do you keep pushing? I mean, yeah, growth is the ultimate measure that, that all these things kind of lead to. If, if growth is stagnating, but I can see that the number of new trials is the same or up, then we just need to file, focus on conversions. I feel like that's something that we can figure out if by some way the number of new trials goes down a lot. That would be weird, but that would make me make me think about rolling it back. But yeah, two months is, I'm very comfortable giving it two months just because, I mean, we certainly need at least 
two weeks of data before we know anything, or two weeks of time before we have any data, um, and really a month to see like what the total number of trials is. So yeah, two months I think is a realistic time to really start thinking about it. These are the big bets, man. This could these this kind of thing like pricing changes, sign up changes, credit card or not, free trial versus freemium. Like these are the bets that they don't always pan out, but if they do, they can change the landscape of your business, the growth trajectory, and everything. This is a big bet for Craig, and it's extremely early at this point to know how it will go. I'm excited to follow up with him in a few weeks to see the results of this experiment, which we'll cover in an upcoming episode. For those of you who've been listening from the beginning, you'll know that we've been covering Craig's new marketing hire, Denise, for the last few episodes. I talked briefly with Craig about the change in communication now that he's not the only one doing marketing. This led to a discussion on the pace of work with his new marketing team and his development team. Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that every uh, SaaS owner feels is just the the pace of development. And it's just, I think it's never good enough. Um, it's one of those things like, you know, is growth ever good enough? And the answer is no. Is the pace of development ever good enough? I would, you know, my team will listen to this and I hope they uh, they take this in, in stride. But the, the pace of development is never good enough for a business owner and for a marketer. Um, because I have, I mean, Rob, we have 11 integrations that are waiting for, for engineering right now. And and some of them are huge integrations that that will do a lot for ARPU and number of new customers and stuff like that. And we've just been sitting here and doing basically nothing for two or three months on them. And I just look at it and say, like, I want to go hire like five developers. And I know that if I did that, then I would still say, yeah, we still have these <laughs> these things over here that I want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, pace of development is is just challenging. And and I I think that even if you're intercom or MailChimp or something with tons of engineers, you're still going to say, yeah, but that took us three months to get out the door when it should take two weeks or something. Um, and I'm trying to to come to peace with that because it, it, it won't ever get, quote, better. Um, I hope it will improve, but it will never be to the point where I'm, I'm really thrilled that we get something out the door really quickly. I mean, we ship some things really quick, like same day or something, but I have a lot of really, really big things I want to do with the platform that that I know just will take months. And that's just frustrating. Yeah, I like the way you're thinking about it. I think that's a healthy way of it, it is perpetual. I don't know a single founder who has ever told me, yeah, we're shipping faster than I would like. We're shipping at exactly the pace right, that right. I would want or expect. It doesn't happen. Like said, no SaaS founder ever, you know, and I felt the same way back in the day, every product ever. And even when we tripled, quadrupled engineering, it's exactly what you said. You do move faster if you get more engineers, as long as you hire the right ones, but you still don't move fast enough. And I think that I think that is that is very much an, uh, there's an arrival fallacy, right? Where some people will say, well, if I just didn't work for anyone else and had a, a SaaS app to sustain me, then I would be happy. And then you get there and you've arrived and you're happy for like a month, you know? And then you're like, well, if I just had a SaaS app that was doing seven figures, then I'd be happy. And you get there and you're happy for like a month. And and it's just, you've worked so hard to get there that it doesn't doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel like anything unnatural or weird and doesn't feel like you thought it would. And I, I think that thinking of this as like the product velocity fallacy is that if we just hire another engineer, we'll do it faster. Or someday I'll be happy with our, you know, our, our feature velocity. I, I think that is a pipe dream. 
And so I think the fact that you're thinking about it already, you know, the way you started it was by saying, we're not delivering fast enough, but I don't think I'll ever be happy. I think that's how that's the constant tension. And I think the mm-hmm. mistakes that I've seen founders make is if they a hire out too far ahead of revenue, thinking that they want to accelerate growth. And it can accelerate future development, but if you don't have the money, by the time you get there, then you're laying people off and it can be very stressful. I've done that myself. I've seen other people do it. The other mistake I've seen is, especially with like marketing, like a non-technical founder who's really heavy into marketing and growth, is to push the developers to ship faster. And then they either burn their developers out because they work too much, they stress them out too much, or they start shipping crappy code without unit tests. Then the product becomes, in the short term, you ship more features. And in the long term, you build yourself a tremendous amount of technical debt. And so it's a very hard balance, a very delicate balance, because there is no, there's no right or wrong. There's no blueprint of exactly how to balance those two things, but they will always be in tension. And, you know, technical debt and feature velocity are two things that will always be in tension. Marketing and feature velocity are things that will always be in tension. And to be able to manage them and manage your own, this is managing your own psychology and to say, how do I pull on one without breaking the other? Do you find that in yourself? Is that, is that attention? Yeah, no, totally, totally. And I, and I think that part of the, the piece I've, I've gotten around this is, is having Denise on board, actually. Um, because, you know, before, you know, I don't want to say maybe I was like burned out on marketing, um, because it was my job and I was the only one doing it. So someone had to do it. I didn't have a choice, but now I kind of say like, I'm reinvigorated to, to do some marketing stuff and maybe also cause it's, it's actually really working well. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm more okay with saying, yep, you guys go write those, those tests or go refactor our CSS or whatever these things that I see that I'm just like, that's not going to get us more customers. That's not going to let our customers pay us more money, or it's not going to keep the customers around longer. Those are like the three things I always, <laughs> I always like, those are my metrics of like, should we spend development resources on this? Is Does it check one of those boxes? And yeah, there's a lot of stuff that the team wants to do to say like, I want to refactor this, or I want to write more tests for that. And I say, now I kind of say, yep, no problem. We're going to be working over here, just getting a bunch more customers. You guys not take as long as you want, but I understand if you need to take two weeks to go do that thing that on the surface doesn't really move the needle any Um, because, you know, yeah, I have someone to work with in marketing now. I uh, we're seeing the results from the efforts there. So that's really cool. So I'm more okay spending time there and not leaning on product Um, because I think that's the other that's the other fallacy, especially for a marketer or a non-technical person is thinking that the product will solve all of your marketing problems or your acquisition problems because it, it won't, (laughs) you know, you have to figure out marketing at some point. And we, we see this in the, in the cohort, I think is everybody has great products, but everybody also struggles to some extent with marketing. Um, and, and to realize, and hopefully I'm starting to realize this honestly, is that like the product is never going to be the business. And, and like marketing has to be a big cornerstone of that. And so if product lags a little, we can make up for it with more or better marketing. That's that's kind of where I'm trying to get to. Absolutely. I'm glad you called that out because that was another thing that I often, I often talk about when we talk about feature velocity is not using the product as an excuse of why you can't market or grow your funnel or get more people in. Because you have well over a thousand people paying you 
to use the product today, go find more of those people. That's what I would say to the marketer who's sitting there, you know, saying, well, they're not shipping integrations fast enough or they're not shipping any feature fast enough. It's like, well, while we're working on this, you go find another thousand people. You could very easily double this company before we get another feature out because we do have product market fit with this segment of the market. You know, and that's, yep. uh, I think that's yep. a really good thing to realize in yourself and a really good thing for us to call out here because folks are listening to this show to hear your story. But I think there's also a lot of nuggets of wisdom coming out of your experience and, you know, of our conversations here. And so that's something to, for founders to be aware of, especially in the product focused communities, right? So like a microconf where it's a lot of developers and designers. So it's people that know that their, their hammer is always more features or better UX or something. Whereas, you know, if you're coming at it more from, let's say the info marketer space, it tends to just be marketing, right? The products, a lot of those products are not very good, frankly, um, even a lot mm-hmm. of the SaaS products and they're just marketing the hell out of it, you know? And I, I think yeah. that both of those camps could probably come to the center a little more and it would do, it would do their businesses better. You know, one of the things that, that, that I'm kind of just starting to realize too about all these like reflection and self-realization things is like, I've been running like mid six figure businesses on my own as an entrepreneur for years now. Right. And I'm just learning these things. Right. And I mean, Castos itself is two and a half years old and we're still figuring it out. And so I think, yeah, talking about for the for the folks listening to to think that you should know some of these things like on day one or figure out how to be comfortable with some of these things is probably just not going to happen, right? So kind of get cool with not knowing and being comfortable with with figuring out as you go. I think is is important for the long longevity of of you as an entrepreneur. The arrival fallacy is the idea that at a certain point in the future, if you could just quit your day job or have a side business that generates $1,000 a month or a SaaS app that generates $10,000 a month, then you'll be happy. Then you will have arrived. It's a fallacy in the sense that you will be happy for about two weeks until you realize you have another goal in your sights and you start working towards that next summit that looks so far away when you were down on the ground. But now that you've climbed a few ridges, your goals expand and you're off to summit that next peak. The arrival fallacy applies to all areas of life, including a founder's expectations of how fast development should be shipping new features or how quickly marketing should be growing the customer base. The arrival fallacy implies that it will never be good enough, and no matter what you achieve, you'll always want more eventually. But Craig has had a really good couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that in the last few weeks, it's been really nice to see, because we're coming up on the end of the month right now, it's been nice to see the the increase in number of trials sustaining this month, we're basically on par from last month, which was a huge increase from the previous months. Um, so like the top of the funnel is really doing better and it's sustaining. So two months in a row, I think is like the beginning of a trend. And so that's been the coolest thing is to say like, okay, whatever marketing or paid acquisition, all because those things we're doing aren't a fluke and it's a repeatable thing that we can then scale. That's, that's the biggest thing because that's something that a lot of people search for for years and maybe never find. When do you look at your trial count? Is there a moment during the day? Like, is it every morning you wake up, you look at your phone? Is it every evening you get an email? Yeah, most most days, like the first thing I do at my computer is open profit well and look at like our MRR, new trials, conversion rate, churn, 
uh, you know, those three or four things. And so talk to me about the difference there. You know, two months ago, when things were not going well, you were essentially plateauing. The difference of waking up in the morning and looking at that screen versus looking at it over the past week. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, like uh, in the first month, it was... I was kind of scared, right? Because you're like, wow, we're doing really good. I, You kind of know why, but you kind of don't. Um, and then for it to be happening here at the end of the second month, for us to be on par with, with that previous really good month is really encouraging. I mean, it's really encouraging because you think like, okay, we're, we're about to break it all. So that's, <laughs> so that maybe is, is not like the best point, but basically to say, if we left things as they are, we should expect to grow about the same rate we are which is a rare thing, at least for us, it's been a rare thing because we haven't known really where we get our customers from and what levers we can pull. And now we're getting some more visibility around why are people coming to the site? What are they doing? And how are we kind of affecting that to encourage them to to start a trial? So to, to get some of the data and see what's working and allow us to be able to do more of it is really like empowering because now I have the confidence to say, Okay, it's a scalable business. You know, we're we're getting more towards that side of the spectrum. Yep, I would fully agree, and that is something that most SaaS companies struggle with, or just most startups in general, is getting that point where I, I was calling it escape velocity. You know, where it's it's past product market fit. You've had product market fit for a long time, and you can tell that by your churn goes down and you your marketing starts to match up with people. You know, and and you're doing that, but then to get a sustainable sustainable channel or multiple channels of trials that lead to that predictable growth that you can then build on. It really is the magic. It's the magic of, of these recurring business models, you know, subscription software, every month you start off at the same number you were last month minus your churn. And to be able to just build on that month over month and then to find a sustainable channel like you've done, this is how you do it. Craig is finding that he's finally built a flywheel, a sustainable business model that builds on its own momentum and has the potential to scale exponentially. He's hit escape velocity, assuming everything continues on its current trajectory. We'll follow along next episode as Craig continues to monitor his big gamble of removing the credit card from his free trial and obstacles he faces delegating to his growing team. Next week on Tiny Sea Tales. Tales.